0: This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at nbasoundsystem.com for more. Now, to the host for this edition of NBA Sound System Live, Carlin Gay and Micah Adams. Micah, we have
1: two more live shows before. It's the final week of preparation before the NBA finally returns. This is normally the part of the show where I ask you how you're doing and how, where your excitement level is at. So here we go, Micah. On a scale of one to 13, where's your excitement level for the NBA? 13.
0: To be back? I'm not. I'm I'm 13. I'm all the way there. My, I'm, uh, I'm warmed. The blood is pumping. We have basketball in eight days. The first scrimmages are next oh Wednesday. Goodness. We got four yeah. of them, baby. I'm pumped. This real this basketball with baseball. real NBA
1: players. This is inside baseball for the fans at home. But I got excited when I went on NBA.com and CA.NBA.com and saw the banner at the top of the page with games there, like real games. I know they're scrimmages, but they're real games. They're there. It's, hey, I, I have beggars cannot be choosers, and I'm ready to watch some, uh, some hoops. <laughs> On this very program, we will talk about the potential of Ben Simmons playing power forward for the Philadelphia 76ers. The Clippers championship hopes, but first, let's get into some of the news that hit last week, and uh, even today. Um, let's start with the biggest news of them all. Rajon Rondo, another Laker guard, down with an injury uh another laker guard who will not be in orlando at least for the early part of the orlando bubble for the lakers that backcourt is uh thin to say the least rajon rondo will be out six to eight weeks with a fractured thumb um you were uh, kind of down on the lakers last week and their chances of uh their ultimate goal which is winning the championship is really uh that is the only hope for them but now at this point no rondo in the backcourt what happens to the
0: lakers chances if they're already at zero man it's it's really it's actually pretty complicated because on one hand like you you just you look at what rondo has provided them this year and he's just it's just been really bad like he just hasn't had a positive impact in any way shape or form even when he's been out there with with LeBron and Anthony Davis, it just uh, the inability to shoot. The offense just grinds to a halt. They've been pummeled. So on one hand, you're thinking, okay, well now we just don't have to force ourselves to play Rondo. But then you look at the alternatives, and like somebody has to play. And for a team that looks at it lo- looks at itself and considers itself the favorite uh, to win it all, um, man, that, that's just. Can you win a title with a backcourt completely wrapped in, in duct tape before we've even left the tarmac uh, for this journey here uh, down in Orlando? I I don't know. I, it, I, I look. I don't want to. I, I don't want to just rehash everything I said last week. But it's just <laughs> it's a lot of KCP. It's a lot of Danny Green, and you have two break glass uh, in case of emergency guys, and Jr. Smith and Dion Waiters, and it looks like they're gonna have to play both of them. So I. I don't know carlin i i i'm more out on the lakers now than i was before the the rondo news but it's probably a little bit overblown just given it was already bad to begin with
1: let's 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 be fair and honest though we're not saying that uh they're not going to get out of the first round here right like we're, we're not saying that they're 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 gonna get you know stumped by whoever ends up in eighth seed out west we're not going that far right
0: Look, I'm not would I predict it? Of course not. I would never predict that to happen. But I but I do think like you look you look at the landscape and you, you think a Portland team with Dame and CJ would be licking their chops maybe not maybe not licking their chops. That's probably a bit strong. Um, but like if you were if you were to go into a lab and ask a mad scientist to within reason create an eight-seed with the right pieces to give this banged up Lakers team trouble, I you could probably you probably come out with something looking a little bit similar uh, to the Portland Trail Trailblazers. So, I I wouldn't write it off. No,
1: is that crazy? I, well, that's what that's where I really see the issue here. It, it's not so much that Rondo is out. It's already that that Rondo's out with a you know depleted backcourt. But when you look at it from you know the grand scheme of things, six to eight weeks from now till you know when when that time frame is up that's the second round of the playoffs right so we're not if, if if it's really going to affect the Lakers it's going to be if Rondo can't show up in the rounds that are going to matter to LA and that's the second third round right Like I, I don't see them having any issue or, or or a major issue with anyone that ends up in the eighth seed in the Western Conference so I don't feel like this is that big of a deal and doesn't change their chances that much uh Avery Bradley was a bigger punch because a, I thought he was—he's a better player, and then B, he's not going to be there at all. But but this one, I, I feel like getting Rondo back for the second round and, and potentially the third round, it makes it a little bit of an easier pill to swallow for your Laker fan.
0: No, I and that's that's a, that's a fair point, point. and uh, you know, I just at, at some point you just wonder about the cumulative effects of asking players to play roles that, quite frankly, they're just not up to playing like Danny green's a really good player, right? But Danny green has, uh, it's been seven years since he's played more than 30 minutes a game in a playoff series that they might be asking him right from the jump in the first round to be out there playing 40 KCP has been in the playoffs one time in his career. He got swept. Okay. So now you're going to be asking him to go out there and play 35 to 40 minutes a game. And then we mentioned Smith and who hasn't played in over a year. Waiters who's only played three games. Someone like Alex Caruso, who I actually really like, and I—I I actually, actually wish that that he would kind of uh, get a little bit of a longer look to be that fifth starter because I actually really like what he brings to the table. But again, like that's another unproven guy that's never never sniffed the playoffs. So it's just you're just you're just putting a lot of weight on pieces that probably shouldn't be leaned on uh, as heavily as they're going to, and so. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just a regurgitation of the same stuff we talked about last week. No question. I, I really do wish that Alex Caruso gets that long look.
1: Thirty five percent from three this year, Micah. That's that's the game, Alex right? Car- that's that's
0: yeah, yeah. Their their defense has been about six and a half points per one hundred possessions better with him on the floor than off. That's the best mark of any Laker. Uh, and then you look at just the overall swing and and on, co- on off court net rating. Uh, second best mark on the team. Like good things happen when Alex Caruso is on the floor. But I mean, if we're sitting here talking about the importance of Alex Caruso, I'm sorry, you're not the favorite to win the NBA <laughs> title. Like that's just where I draw the line.
1: <laughs> well, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, it's a tough feeling to be in. Uh, on the other side of things in uh, the other side of, almost the other side of the country anyway, in Texas, the uh, Houston Rockets. They have two of their best players, if not the two best players on the team that aren't with the team right now. Russell Westbrook announced himself yesterday that uh, he indeed tested positive for COVID-19, and he is not with the team uh, at this current time, but looks forward to joining them when he is cleared uh, in Orlando. James Harden, as well, um, has not been with the team, uh, but is working out and apparently is fine according to Sham. So, any concern for the two rocket stars not being in Orlando, especially given the fact that we've had this long break, an offseason like break, uh, and they are going to be the two pieces that are going to
0: you know cause the most trouble for other teams. So I want to I want to couch I want to couch this by saying, of course, anyone contracting COVID nineteen. There's a concern for, so I don't want to just say like blanket statement. No, he's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Like, of course, there's concern there, uh, but you know, if, if knock on wood, you make the assumption that uh, in time, things return to normal, and and Russ is good to go, and James is good to go, and and they have the team that that they had basically that last month of the regular season. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, in the grand scheme of things, this really changes anything all that much and 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 again that's a very big perhaps too big uh of an assumption to make that they'll just show up and and without skipping a beat and everything will be fine and hunky-dory and happy and and, and they'll they'll do what they were going to do regardless um but you know i you you look at this rockets team as was constructed um and like i look charles barkley back uh in march on the levitard show said quote I don't think you're going to win with putting a bunch of leprechauns out there, end quote. So Chuckster's talking about how the Rockets are super small and how they're not going to be able to defend anyone. Well, guess what? They've been awesome defensively since they went small. Those lineups with with James and Russ and Roko and PJ Tucker at center, not only do they have a net rating of plus 11, they also have a defense which would, when you look at, uh, compared to the rest of the league, would rank second in the entire league. So uh, they've been good on both ends of the floor. If Assuming they're healthy, this particular setback, I don't know if it ultimately changes a whole lot uh, in terms of the calculus about whether they will or won't win in Orlando. Are they still to you uh, that wild card team that might cause the Clippers or the Lakers the most trouble? When else? I think they have to be, right? I mean, they just they they shoot so many threes, you just don't really know what you're gonna get. Like it's the who's to say that they couldn't get undeniably scorching hot for four games and just that's it. It just doesn't matter what anyone else does, right? The three is greater than two, so if you're gonna really ultimately lean into that, I, I think they have to be the biggest wild card. Do you agree? Yeah, I.
1: Uh, I- <laughs> Yes, uh, just because of the style of the, the way that they play. But I also can see them being bounced in the first round. We, I mean, we've talked about this over the last couple episodes of Sound System. They probably have the highest ceiling and lowest floors scenario where they could go either or, and you wouldn't be shocked, right? Like if they get bounced in the first round, I don't think we're coming on the week after saying we're shocked. And if they make it all the sure. way to the conference finals, I think we we can say that you know we, we could have saw it. We could have created a scenario where
0: we see something like this happening. Well, um, so and I, one of the, one of the things, well, I was going to say one of the things that I think is important uh, to keep in mind with Houston is, you know, when wh- when there are people out there that look at this new small ball Rockets team and they say, well, how are they going to defend anybody? They're going to get killed inside. They were getting killed inside already, uh, right? <laughs> when, when they had Clint Capella. So like, it's not that different. Like you look at you look at basically uh, the percent the teams are shooting in the paint and how many points per game in the paint they're giving up it's literally it's almost identical pre and post capella trade uh so i i just i don't know I, they're just they're doubling down on what they do really well and they didn't get any worse at something that they already weren't that great at so um i, I just think it's important to keep that piece in mind it's not like it's not like they traded bill russell i feel like when they right. traded clint capella everyone was like oh they just traded bill russell in his prime a defensive player of the year like Relax. No, they didn't. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and, yeah, they're the biggest cards. to me. And also,
1: I, I, I just struggle with watching in a playoffs and 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 coming to terms with the fact that a team is going to pound it inside that much to to try and take advantage of this the small you know unit that's on the floor like no who's running a thousand post-ups per game nowadays no one's doing that and if they were to do that the rockets would be happy to trade two for th- twos for threes any day of the week it, it's, the perimeter defense is a much more of a concern should be anyway for houston than whatever Clint
0: capella was providing on the back end right yeah no i agree and i, I do think you know one of the most illuminating games i think it might have even been the first game after they made the trade uh they beat the lakers and in that game you could see the lakers were so uncomfortable trying to just force everything inside it was like every time down the floor no matter what we do we have to get anthony davis a touch on the block so you know seeing that for the first time and understandably struggling with it you 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 could see how they could kind of mess with other teams and get them out of their games now that being said once you play them, uh, you've seen it once, right? And then you have two days to watch tape, and then you go and you see it again, and you see it again. You get more comfortable playing with that. So, uh, I, so I, yes and no to your point. I, I think that I think it's fair to question whether or not teams will actually go and and just pound, pound, pound uh, when when push comes to shove. But I also do think that uh, Houston's kind of tricks might not work as well once you're seeing them time and time again, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the story of Mike D'Antoni, isn't it? That's, uh, that's just the way it's been for him in the playoffs throughout his career. Uh, rumor has it that Victor Oladipo might make his return after feeling quote unquote good, uh, playing five on five and practicing with the team, according to Sham Sharania. Um, but another report came out today that if Oladipo does not play, he will forego uh, his remaining salary, which is about $3 million, which is a lot of money. Uh, Maybe that is changing his mind about whether or not he wants to play this season and less about feeling comfortable about returning from his quadriceps injury. Um, Where do you land on if it matters? Well, it does matter if the Pacers get Victor Oladipo or not, but is it more about the money or more about feeling
0: good for Vic? One of the things that I I found was interesting about that report, uh, about the Brian Windhorst report, was there was something in there about saying that the Pacers themselves were supportive of paying Oladipo if he did not play, and that this was just much more of a lead. It's not really an Oladipo issue as much as it's a slippery slope in what it means for the rest of the league. Now, do we want to set that precedent where guys can just go opt out you know not have any intention of playing but show up and get paid anyway so uh i mean that's a that that's a that's a tricky situation right that gets into about so many more uh conversations that go beyond basketball but just focusing in on the actual basketball portion of it um the one thing that i think is is really intriguing is you know those those Last five games, you kind of started to see Oladipo pick it up a little bit. About 19 points a game, 47% shooting. Significantly better than than, uh, his first eight games that he played. But to me, the most interesting piece of Oladipo returning so far is they still haven't really figured out how to play him and Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis all together. They've shared the floor for about 180 minutes and they've gotten absolutely killed. It's been terrible, but you remove Oladipo from that equation and and that those Brogdon Sabonis uh, lineups are really good. So that's just that's one thing that if Oladipo does in it does indeed play, you would hope that over those eight games, they would have enough kind of breathing room to start to find some type of rhythm for how they want to proceed come playoff time.
1: It feels though those pieces when you you mention them Brogdon, Oladipo and even Sabonis like those it feels like those three should fit together no problem you could even throw Turner uh, Miles Turner in there like it feels like the what they do on the basketball floor should complement each other so it it is interesting to see that Oladipo has thrown that wrench into the plans and they've been that bad with him on the floor uh, alongside them versus you know back to the good basketball
0: when he's sitting. Well, I think, you know, one of the interesting pieces about that is, you know, Oladipo has always, he's just always been a guy that's far more comfortable when he's got the ball in his hands, right? Like when he was playing in Oklahoma City alongside Russell Westbrook, it was a disaster, right? Like that that four-year, $80 million contract that he signed, it looked like one of the worst deals in the league because Oladipo couldn't do anything if he didn't have the ball. So now he's playing next to two guys in Brogdon and Sabonis that they don't necessarily, like, need it. Right? Like, they'll, they'll, those are both very skilled players, skilled passers. They can do things off the ball. But at the same time, like, DeMontis Sabonis is one of the best passing bigs in the league. Like, Ma- Malcolm Brogdon, uh, you know, I you know, is a very smart, very heady player, makes great decisions, so you want those guys involved. So I put the onus on Oladipo here to kind of figure out a little bit how he's the one that needs to find out how to integrate in, as opposed to, hey, I'm back, I'm the guy, you guys fall in line. Because I just, I don't think that's the version of Oladipo we're getting, uh, you know, this year, maybe ever, but certainly this summer. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out
1: in the Um This week on Sound System FC, you can uh, get the breakdown of the Champions League as we move closer to the quarterfinals. We're already halfway there. There's a couple teams that don't know who they're going to play yet, but we'll find <laughs> that out. Real Madrid, Manchester City are playing uh, this upcoming uh, in in the round of 16 to get to the quarterfinals. Lawrence and Bo break that down. Uh, You would already know that, however, if you had subscribed to Sound System FC. So just go ahead and do it. Sound System FC, the most unique and entertaining football podcast in the country. Sound System FC, your home for the world's game. Uh, The Clippers have now, in my opinion, the best chance they've ever had at winning an NBA title. The Lakers. Are you are hopping completed. on the bandwagon? I am hopping on the bandwagon. I off the. let I started our morning meeting by saying, the more uh, time that is spent between the last game we saw and and now, I, I am talking myself in uh, to the Clippers being NBA champions and talking myself out of every other team that I think could compete against them. And that includes the Lakers, and this is coming from a guy who called the Lakers uh, the champions at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the Clippers. They're healthy. Uh, they, they've added, uh, you know, solid pieces to be able to play different styles of basketball. Uh, and then they have guys who are going to be hungry uh, to win their first championship. Patrick Beverly, Paul George, uh, Montrez Harrell, and then of course Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, wants to continue to win at a high level. So I am now firmly on the Lakers, or sorry, the Clippers bandwagon. I've gotten off the Lakers bandwagon, and I don't see a team out west that could beat them. And quite frankly,
0: I don't see a team out east that could beat them. It's a it's a marathon and not a sprint, my friend. And the Clippers are the ultimate tortoise team in the sense that beginning of the year, right? They they stumble a little bit out of the gates and. They can't get healthy. And meanwhile, the Lakers are just steamrolling everybody. And Milwaukee's on pace to win 70 games. And and then, you know, we're, we're in January, right? They get blown out by by Memphis, right? And then the very next day, they give up 135 or whatever it is to the Knicks. And Montrez Harrell is 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 unhappy and saying we're not a great team. And there are whispers about, you know, whether or not the the old guys are getting along with Kawhi and you know, nobody can figure it out. Well, guess what? They figured it out uh since the all-star break plus 12 uh point scoring margin but easily the best in the league uh my guy my guy ben falk runs a great website called cleaning the glass everyone should go check that out you can kind of see in there what teams have done against top top 10 defenses top 10 offenses top 10 overall teams You, you you can basically split it however you want and the clippers have a top five offense and a top five defense against the cream of the crap uh you mentioned stylistically them being able to give different looks they can play pretty much any way you want to uh with the the possible exception of uh you know they they don't really have a whole lot of size inside but again
1: whoa, when whoa, is that, whoa. Don't do that. really going do to gonna, Joakim, Noah they don't have a lot don't of do
0: size don't do that don't do they that of Noah on. And Zubats? I like Joakim. I like Joakim Noah. Okay, I like Joakim Noah. Are you going to tell me that Joakim Noah is going to be the answer to to Joel and beat if they have to play the Sixers? Or this, I, I, this I'm just saying, difference. like that's the one. That's the one area where you can get the Clippers though, right? This is the difference between the
1: you know signing with the Clippers and signing with the Lakers. Had had they had Joakim Noah signed with the Lakers, we would be you know reading articles from people talking about Jokim Noah reverting back to his time uh, you know with the with the Bulls in 2014 or 15 whatever year it was when he was top 5 in MVP voting. That's what we but he, because he's with the Clippers, he doesn't get that sort of respect. You
0: know what you know what's true? Come on, I look. I'm a bulls. I'm a bulls fan at heart. You don't have to tell me about Prime Joe and Kim Noah being an absolute difference maker. I I do think that like that's a, a low key, really important. I mean, even if it's an eight minutes a night type of guy, right? Like he's not gonna he's gonna be completely unfazed uh, by any situation that he's put in now. Whether or not he can deliver, uh, that's an entire other conversation because, quite frankly, his 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 best days are long gone. But just Look, it it just, we could talk about Zubac and we could talk about Joe Kim Noah and all this and all that, but it it push comes to shove when they have Kawhi and Paul George. And when both of those guys are out there, they're really freaking good. You look every, if you look at the top 11 different lineup combinations that the Clippers have this year uh, that feature both of those, each and every one of them are plus a bazillion. They're just great. It doesn't matter who else is out there with them. Uh, they just—they have Kawhi and Paul George and you don't, and that's just kind of as simple as it needs to be. They got two of the three best guys in the most important position in the league.
1: Joachim Noah. Uh, he, he's, he's on the phone. He gives you this quote. I ain't as good as I once was, <laughs> but I'm as good once as I ever was. That is Joachim Toby Keith Noah.
0: I can't believe. On Micah. I can't believe this entire year you've been riding hard <laughs> on the Lakers, and all of a sudden, a, a washed thirty-five-year-old Joe Kim Noah signs on to be the eleventh man on the Clippers, and now, all of a sudden, that's the reason you're willing to go all in.
1: I'm just saying, if he was on the Lakers, you would be seeing articles galore about how they could dig, he could dig into his past. He only has to be good for eight minutes at a time. It happened last year with Dwight. Dwight was finished around this time last year. He signs on with the Lakers, and now we're talking about oh, he's rejuvenated in L.A. It's his second chance to, to, to prove that he's a good player. It, I'm telling you, if he wasn't a L- if he was a Laker instead of a Clipper, those are the type of articles that we
0: would be reading right now.
1: Um, that's another I, topic I, for another I, time. Oh my gosh, You're incredible! Go ahead, go ahead. I can't you you want to bounce?
0: We, no, we no. I just I'm pumped to get this mono. We mono joke him though. Dwight Howard battle <laughs> in the and uh, the Western Conference <laughs> <laughs> Finals. <laughs> You
1: and maybe we might get what into this. That That's probably the only time we'll see it. Um, is there another team though that you're uh thinking about that that might contest the Clippers? Because you've been you've been you know, strong on your Clippers take from day one. I give you credit for that. You've you've always said that they'll figure it out around this time, uh, and then they would eventually win the championship. But now that we've had so much time to really dig dip into the numbers, which I know you love to do, is there another team that
0: you might be talking yourself into? It's look, and this is a, a it's a sign of disrespect that um, I, and, and it's a disrespectful from that. I'm I'm the one doing the disrespecting here. Uh, nobody should have to talk themselves into the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, but I've talked myself into the Milwaukee Bucks. You just the defensively, they're just they're just on a completely different level They're They are one of the most complete defenses that we have quite quite honestly ever seen and you talk about a team that has a bunch of different looks. The Giannis at center looks are absolutely outrageous. If you, if you look at so uh, again going back to my 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 guy uh, cleaning the glass. Look, they've only done it about 10% of the time that he's been out there, but if you look at every if you look at at the, the Milwaukee's performance on both ends of the floor. Okay, and then you stack that up with every team over the last 40 years. Giannis at center They have the best offense and the second best defense that's historic dominance okay Mm -hmm. and and that's even without talking about the fact that uh by doing that they are willingly taking off brooke lopez who might win defensive player of the year so they just they can go huge they can go small every single player on that team has gotten better uh they still have not proven that they'll that they'll be able to be fine without Malcolm Brogdon. That's just we won't know that until we see it, right? Like Eric Bledsoe uh, has to atone for a lot of postseason skeletons. Uh, but just top to bottom, they're just a much deeper team and they're just a much better team than they were a year ago. And uh, look, if if we hadn't just seen them steamroll Boston last year, I know that was a different Boston team. Um, but I, I think that I would I would want to give Boston a little bit more credit because that's another team that I think is, is is very dangerous and kind of getting overlooked a little bit. But I, I, I think that we're just on a we're just on a Bucks Clippers collision course, and um, I'm just I, I think they could both get there pretty easily. Actually, we'll get into Boston in a second. But first, we got to remind
1: everybody that this week on NBA.com is prediction week over on NBA.com, as I just said ca.nba.com for the third time. Uh, myself, Gil McGregor, and Mike Adams are taking turns at predicting uh, the end of team awards. I don't really know what it's called. It's, end of, it's not end of season awards. but end of, end, end of season teams. I'm gonna let
0: you. I'm just gonna let you struggle through this <laughs> one.
1: End of season teams. All defense, all NBA, and all rookie teams. You can go right now and read the predictions for the all NBA and all rookie teams. You can come back tomorrow, which is Wednesday, if you are listening to this in podcast land, and find the all defensive teams. Micah may have tipped his hand a little bit just now by saying that Brooke Lopez might indeed be on NBA first team given the fact that he just said that he should be in a conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, you could also read why Gil Greger thinks that P.J. Washington has been one of the 10 best rookies this year. I disagree on that one. And you can come and disagree with me on the fact that Chris Paul is all-NBA first team over Luka Doncic. My reasons are there on NBA.com right now. Prediction Week over on NBA.com, ca.mba.com. Uh Ben Simmons is playing power forward uh for well not playing power forward he's practicing at power forward uh Brett Brown is coaching is that a bigger shock for you or
0: is it more that Brett, Brett Ben Simmons is playing power forward it kind of this kind of reeks of desperation doesn't it like my my my, my gut reaction my gut reaction is like this is a it's a pretty massive it's it's one of two things it's either a an incre- an incredibly desperate move that they're trying to make to just fundamentally blow it up and change how they're doing anything or it's just a it's just a fancy way of throwing a smoke screen saying that he's playing a, a different position when really they're not, they're not going to change anything that they do hmm. it's one of those two things
1: yeah i i feel the smoke screen on on, on that one but it it, it will i mean the, the main thing here is not where he plays it's who he, who replaces him at the point guard position? And we know that it's not going to be Al Horford. It's going to be another shooter, maybe Shake Milton. Um, so that means that Al Horford, who was the starting power forward previously, is now on the bench. So I think that's the bigger story here. It's not really m- much that Ben Simmons is playing power forward. It's the fact that he's replacing Al Horford here. So does that make... Is this making is does this give Philly a better chance at getting the ultimate goal and winning a championship with Al Horford, who they just spent 100 million dollars over the next four years to lock up, or, um, like you said, is this is this the last ditch resort, or or is this an indictment on Al Horford? Is he is he is he washed? Is he is it over for Al Horford? Have they seen enough of Al Horford and Joel and B together to know that it's not the best course of action for them
0: to win? So. So I, I think the, the the popular sort of uh, line of thought out there is that the fit's terrible, Horford doesn't work. What were they thinking? We could have seen this coming a million miles away. And actually, I, while there is some truth to that, I think that the, the Horford not fitting as a puzzle piece bit has, has been a little bit overblown, right? Like there are still uh, looks that they can give where Simmons and Embiid and Horford and Harris and richardson are all out there causing absolute mayhem and it's impossible to score on them right like they didn't they didn't sign al horford so uh so he could help help them you know win a first round series or get to the playoffs or improve their seating they signed al horford uh one so that uh he couldn't guard joel Embiid as a member of the boston celtics uh but two so that they would have an answer if and when they run into the milwaukee bucks and I think that, you know, you take a closer look at some of those Embiid-Simmons-Horford lineups. Yeah, they've been horrible offensively, and there are some real spacing issues. But defensively, they're absolutely dynamo. They're tremendous. And so you could see how once, once we actually make it to the postseason, in particular the later rounds, I could see them kind of reverting back to this. That's why I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that we've seen the last of sort of Al Horford playing a significant role in the 76ers because I just I just think that the those concerns have been a little bit overblown and they got him for specific matchups that until we see those play out, we just don't we just don't know. We can't make that judgment yet.
1: Is this a last as you said, it's a last ditch effort, but is this the last, you know, card that Brett Brown really has to play. Is 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 this is this the last thing that he can do to make this team operate at a high level and more so Ben Simmons operate at a high level? Because let's face it, this is about him and his abilities on the basketball court or lack thereof. If he was, you know, a decent shooter, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But uh, to to kind of hide that and to add more shooting on the floor, we now have Ben Simmons playing a quote unquote power forward whatever that means in today's day and age.
0: Would you the, the one of the things that I find curious about this, would you agree that this has been Ben Simmons's best year like by far? I don't know. It it, it toss
1: up between this year and his rookie year cuz rookie year was pretty good.
0: Yeah, I just I just I think that the version of Simmons that we've seen this year, especially in those stretches where he's been more assertive when Embiid hasn't been out there, uh has just been, it's been really encouraging. And I I look, I've I was harder on Simmons than anyone. He was absolutely abysmal. Uh, last year in the playoffs, he completely disappeared uh, in that series against Toronto, which just, speaking of playing power forward, would basically just crawl to the dunker spot and you wouldn't hear from him, right? And we, we just, we haven't seen him that has not been the Ben Simmons that we've seen this year. He's been forceful, he's attacked, he's been assertive. And yeah, he's still not shooting, but all signs kind of pointed to Simmons as someone that was ready to kind of uh, put that lesson behind him that he learned and really kind of take this opportunity and take this team by the reins and kind of go get it. Uh, and and now whether whether or not that would lead to success or not uh, is, is a separate conversation. That's why I just, all this, from everything that we've seen from Simmons this season, the timing of this feels really weird. Like it just, it feels like a desperate move that you would make, you know, down 2 in a playoff series or, you know, backs up against the wall or match specific, it's, it seems odd to make a really big fuss out of this going into a restart, right? Like, it just, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Simmons was ready to kind of answer a lot of the critics, and now them doing this, either they're saying that, you know, we don't think he can get it done, or maybe it's just a smokescreen and it's just... A fancy way of saying, hey, we're just going to play Shake Milton more. Yeah, that's, yeah, just
1: say that. Like, don't, don't give me the, uh, don't give me that the Ben Simmons is playing at power forward. It does, you're right. The timing of it does seem weird. It felt, I feel like you could hold that one down. Like, we're two weeks away from a, a glorified preseason before we get into the playoffs. Just hold that one down until you need it, uh, in the playoffs. Um, I have this theory that I think that this, the bubble situation that we're in is going to be the best time for Ben Simmons to shoot longer jump shots. There's not gonna be a crowd involved. They're gonna be locked in. There's not gonna be that, that that media scrutiny that he would face in Philly. He doesn't have to listen to as much talk radio as he would uh, driving around the streets of Philadelphia. He's gonna be in the bubble. and With the way that Philly reacts every time the dude even pump fakes at home and then on the road <laughs> the, the same way uh people react they, they will not there won't be that sort of atmosphere around every time he even raises his eyebrows to shoot uh, i i think this is the best case scenario for him he can basically he, he shoots all the time during warmups. this is a warm-up sort of atmosphere in that in those games he's going to take more jump shots than we've ever seen before in this bowl. that's my theory
0: well, if you listen to 76ers fans, they claim that in, in closed door practices, the Ben Simmons is the a six ten version of Steph Curry out there draining <laughs> draining threes and step back. So, uh, lucky for the Sixers, they're going to be playing in an environment that's about as close to an empty gym as you could possibly uh, as you could possibly conceive. Yeah, he, I'm telling you, he this is this is it for him. If he can't shoot him with no
1: one there, it's not happening. It, we're, we're never we're never getting them. Uh, I mentioned the weird, that we're going to talk the weird, about
0: the. the Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, you know, I, one of the things that, that I've seen floating around there is, you know, people say that they, you know, we want to turn Simmons into Giannis, uh, which is why maybe they're going to play him at power forward and they're going to really just try to lean into that. The thing that, that another kind of key piece of this is Simmons is far and away and it's not even close he's far and away Philly's best playmaker and passer facilitator right right? and so you know and and like I love Giannis and Giannis is he's gonna win a second straight MVP and he's becoming a good passer but like that's all he is he's a he's a capable fine passer Ben Simmons is like an all-world passer he's one of the three or four best in the entire world so to go out of your way to take the ball out of his hands just seems odd and that's where the whole they should play Simmons like Giannis thing kind of falls apart because they're really not the same player and people kind of just say oh they're both tall and they can play a bunch of positions so yeah Simmons should be like Giannis and I understand like yeah you want to put shooters around both of them but it's it's different it's just it's just not the same so it's just another one of those peculiar kind of quirks as to like why why is Brett Brown doing this now? I that don't. doesn't that that
1: argument doesn't bother me that much in terms of, you know, cuz I think Simmons is going to have the ball regardless. I think people are more so saying that they should have shooters around him. And I know that Brook Lopez is shooting like absolute garbage from 3 this year, but his strength now as the player that he is is that is to be a, a, a you know the ability to at least give you the illusion that he can knock down a 3 whereas if you're asking Joel and B to do that, you're playing right into the hands of another team because Joel Embiid while Simmons is one of the best playmakers in the world Joel Embiid may be pound for pound the best post player in the world like so to take him away from the basket and make him a glorified 3 and D center just i mean it kills the advantage that you would have on offense against most teams
0: Look, I, I I don't even know if you did this intentionally, but bringing up uh, Brooke Lopez, I think is is you know goes back to what we were talking before. Of I don't think we've seen the last of Al Horford because you look at Milwaukee, and it's not just about stopping Giannis. Okay, it's about stopping Giannis, and it's about stopping Brooke Lopez. And we've getting we've given Mike Budenholzer tons of grief for not making any adjustments over the years well one of the adjustments that they have made this year is with all these switch happy defenses in the nba uh they have let brooke lopez bludgeon smaller players whenever there's switches right and so now all of a sudden if we're going to be talking about having al horford back out there you you suddenly can't do that if you have Embiid and horford and you know one of the one of the lasting images i remember you and i got into uh I won't say shouting match, although it probably was. (laughs) Uh, After, there was a game last year when Philly and Milwaukee played each other, okay? And Giannis, Ben Simmons was guarding Giannis. And Giannis just backed him in, put his butt into him, and just dunked on him like he was a like a LeBron James playing on an eight-foot goal against my two-year-old niece, okay? <laughs> so if we're going to talk about Ben Simmons playing power forward, let's not, like, I like Ben Simmons and he's really good, but let's let's not fool anyone thinking that, like, Ben Simmons is their answer for, for playing big. And that's, uh, you know, you mentioned Brooke Lopez. Yeah, his strengths now is as a stretch five, but that's, he's the reason why Al Horford remains vitally important to this team, regardless of where Ben Simmons is playing. That
1: play that you were talking about where, uh, you know, Ben Ben Simmons got crammed on by Giannis was – when I made the turn, because the, the argument was that I didn't believe that Giannis is a big man. That was the play that did it for me when, uh, when, he, when Ben Simmons got crushed on uh, by Giannis Antetokounmpo. So Ben Simmons, message to Ben Simmons, just go, see, just go see our man Mo Bama and put on some size. That's what we need to do. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned the Celtics. Uh, the, I think, and, and, I, and you might agree, and I talked about the, the heat last week. Coming out, uh, you know, as, as a sleeper team that might have a legit chance of making the finals. Um, the Celtics have a, 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 as good a chance as the Heat do, um, and they might be the only team that can give you know Milwaukee some trouble with uh, with with the, with the way that they are structured. Even without, even even getting crushed the way they did last year, even without Al Horford and Kyrie Irving, I think they still have a chance of of making a
0: competitive series against Milwaukee if they get there one of the thing you know i i look i it's twofold because on one hand like you look at how boston has done against good teams and they've they've quite literally been the best team in the nba playing against other good teams okay like you you can break that down however you want offensively defensively they get stops they're well disciplined they get back in transition they can score on anyone they have lots of guys who could go create something um, so like they they Boston it sounds really simple but the Celtics just have more good basketball players than pretty much anyone in the league like uh, with the exception of maybe the Clippers so but there's just they just have no they have zero answer for Giannis none right and they have zero answer who does? for Joel Embiid none who does I mean not a lot but but you you have you have you can't you can't look me in the eyes and say that, you know what, like, yeah, I think I think Jason Tatum is gonna stop him down there. I think Daniel Tice. Uh, Tice might be nice. He's not that nice. Right? Like they just they you have to give some semblance of resistance. And now now one of the things that Boston does really well is they they are so incredibly disciplined at getting back in transition and we, we look Milwaukee kills teams running running on the brakes. That's how they they just they kill everybody. You miss against them, you blink, they're gone. Right? It's what they do better than anyone. Boston is better than anyone at getting back, and that's one of the reasons that Toronto was able to successfully beat Milwaukee in last year's conference finals was that they were able to get back and build that wall. Boston can do the same thing, but they don't have Marcus Ald and Serge Ibaka waiting behind in the wings to to frustrate him. I just I just look at that and like we it was a layup line for Giannis. Uh, who he just lived at the free throw line when he played Boston last year? I don't, I don't see how that would be any different. So that's, that's just, it's just too big of a glaring spot at the wrong, at the wrong place on the floor for me to truly get there, thinking that Boston can take out Milwaukee.
1: I just feel like there's, there's a way that you can. Allow Giannis to go nuts and make sure that you shut down everyone else, and, and and be in the series. Like I, I always go back to to the way that Greg Popovich decided to guard Amari Stoudemire uh, in in the twenty, I think two thousand four or five playoffs against the uh, Phoenix Suns. He said, Amari, knock yourself out, score as much as you want. We're going to make sure that no one else does anything else. And I think Amari almost averaged 40 points uh, and and 10 rebounds in that series and shot crazy from the field, got to the free throw line a ton, but they lost in five. They lost in five games uh, against the San Antonio Spurs, and the series wasn't even really that close. I feel like you can do some of that with Giannis. Um, where you're, you know what, Giannis, you can score as much as you want. You're not going to beat us from beyond you know, the three point line. So knock yourself out, score as much as you want. As long as the rest of the team is held in check, it will give us as a chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the, the Spurs had had a, a a guy who was pretty good named Tim Duncan to be able to uh, look. Amari had a field day, as you said, 37 and 10 shot almost, and that was on purpose. Like he, Tim
1: Duncan could have guarded. It, no, 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 I, mean I know it was.
0: Yeah. No, I I know it was right, but like it, it wasn't like it wasn't like Bruce Bowen was down there guarding. Like they at least Amari got his big numbers, but they still made Amari work for it. It wasn't it wasn't like an easy. I mean, he's shooting twenty six times a game. Like they, you're absolutely right. There there is a world in which they just say Giannis, go nuts. We're never doubling. We're staying home with every shooter. We're gonna shoot more threes than you guys, and cent- we're essentially going to be our version of the houston rockets and win that way and look maybe it could happen i we've talked about this before just the unknown and the the all the invari the the variables at play down here in orlando uh makes makes for a melting pot of something that could just happen that nobody sees coming so i'm not going to go as far as to say that like milwaukee can't be beat and that boston couldn't do it and that there's not a world in which it could happen because of course it could i i just have a hard time i have a hard time getting there that's all
1: is there any chance that uh, gordon Hayward moves to the power forward and I might change your mind <laughs>
0: Go, he's the, he's their answer. He's their answer to Brett Brown. Brett Brett Brown's going to cause Brad Stevens to panic and hold a press conference today, saying he's moving Gordon Hayward to the four. That's it. Or or no, Kemba playing off ball.
1: Mind. Whatever whatever they got to do. Uh, that's all we have this week on NBA Sound System. Reminder, ca.mba.com, your place for prediction week. Again, myself, Gil McGregor, and Mike Adams giving you the end-of-season teams, all-NBA, all-rookie, already there. Tomorrow, all-defense will be there via my main man, Mike Adams. Mike, Give us a little taste of what you have on your all-defensive
0: team. It's just a lot of bucks, man. It's just all bucks. The, oh, the entire man. Bucks team,
1: all five, five for five. Oh, man. Uh, so that uh, hear. I'll give you
0: something. Uh, I, I will say, I will give you uh, three of the top 10 spots are Milwaukee Bucks.
1: All right. I already know who those three will be, but uh, <laughs> that's interesting. That is very interesting. Uh, so come back MBA.com NBA.com for that, and we will uh, be back next week. 3 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, right here on NBA Sound System Live. You guys have a fantastic week. And if you haven't already, spread the word, rate, review, subscribe. NBA Sound System, the place to be. We'll see you next week.